Hi, I'm Dee Wallace, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable, but I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now, is that on so many pages, <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then, I mean, it, it's it's almost inevitable that, uh, you know, half the time we're going to go, you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry, but that's... <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast, and now, here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Adner, and I'm joined by... Professor Wagstaff. And Venomous Vinny. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight, we are discussing what, Vinny? Uh, Frankenstein movies, not necessarily, uh, the universal by itself, uh, but just Frankenstein movies across the board, just some we picked out, obviously can't cover everything with it being a public domain story. It's been done. The characters have been used a million times, so we'll just see what we come up with out of that. Yeah, I looked, I looked up just with Frankenstein in the title, there were over 80 films and that's not to say other ones that didn't run along the same lines. It just didn't have it in the title. Right. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's do some initial thoughts on Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, uh, the original story. I mean, let's just let's just kind of, you know, bounce this around uh, a little bit. Uh, Vinny, what what possessed you to want to do this episode? Frankenstein's monster is my favorite universal (laughs) monster. Uh, I really like the Wolfman, but I don't feel like the character has the depth of the Frankenstein monster. Uh, I've always enjoyed Mary Shelley's book. Um, I don't know what it is, just something about the Frankenstein story. I've, I've always really connected to, I've always taken a keen interest in it. So that's kind of why I wanted to do it. Wilson, your connection. Oh, I'm sorry. Professor Wagstaff either works your, um, <laughs> your connection to, to Frankenstein. Just uh, initial thoughts on it. I think that it is something that gets better with age. I think that there's much more to be pulled from this as an adult mm-hmm. than as a kid, not to say a child can't enjoy it. Um, I, I like, I'm sure both of you guys watched a lot of these movies over and over and over again as a kid. Oh yeah. Um, I loved all of them. Uh, Frankenstein was never my favorite, but I always thought he was awesome. Uh, but something I notice as I get older is I the depth of the character and how how rich it is in terms of exploration, um, which we'll go more into that. But I think just an initial thought for it is that it's one of the deeper topics and storylines in uh, horror that there that's ever existed, and it's certainly one of the the oldest at this point. I mean, it's been around quite a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Um, for me, you know, I think my earliest memories of Frankenstein are obviously Universal Monster films. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, with without a doubt. Um, and please forgive me because I will be that token guy who uses Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster interchangeably. Yeah. <laughs> I will break the cardinal rule. Um, but you know, Karloff is Frankenstein's monster. It's just iconic. You know, it's oh, everywhere. It's everything. You know, even even if any- you say Frankenstein, that is the image that people immediately think absolutely. of. Absolutely. Immediately. And yes. it's cool too because it's not like that retroactive cult love. This was wildly celebrated then. Um, which I mean I know we'll go more into these films, but I was just gonna point out that back then there were two people that got just their last name build, which now in the first one that doesn't happen. The monster is just a question mark. Question but after mark. that, Universal built him as just Karloff, uh, and you also had that with Greta Garbo, who in her heyday was as big as it's ever been. So I mean, it's kind of cool to look back that that horror at that in the early stages of Hollywood was so accepted mm-hmm. because it certainly didn't stay that way. But yeah. it did in this instance. It was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I got to be honest, as we're having this overview conversation here, um, the Frankenstein story is is not one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, I get it, and I understand the depth, and obviously I will talk about that as we get into it, but it's just it just hasn't been my gig universally. So I have not seen a lot of Frankenstein films, and in preparation for this episode, I had to play a lot of catch-up. Because, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I'd say besides the original Frankenstein and Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I have not dug a lot into. Oh really? Yeah. Bride. Had you seen bride? No. Wow. Wow. Which is crazy, which is crazy because a lot of people like bride a lot more than the original. Oh yeah. A lot of people will argue that it's better than the original. Right. And so, um, so this was actually my first time watching bride. I hadn't purposefully avoided it. I just never got around to it. And I've had universal's Frankenstein legacy collection on DVD for, I don't know, probably since it came out. So it's like I had this stuff. I just never made time for it. It just yeah. wasn't. It just wasn't my niche. And that's not saying I disliked it. It just wasn't my sure. Thing. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, um, shall we start with Universal's Frankenstein? Start yeah. however you want. Nineteen thirty-one. Nineteen thirty-one. And I and that really hit me this time. This movie is nearly a hundred years old. Coming up on it. I mean, that's that's crazy to think of the legacy of this one film. 85 years old. The 85 years later, I'm sitting down with my eight-year-old son and watching these movies. The book is two years shy of 200. Yeah. that's And that's the other thing that hit me was how old that story already yeah. was. By the time Universal got a hold mm-hmm. of it to make a film out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, you know, and it's it's so it's so cinematic. I mean, you've got the the warning intro. Yes. You've got the monster being billed as a question mark. Yes. Um a lot of showmanship. Very much. Yeah. Very much. And I'll tell you, I was uh, I was talking to Vinny the other night. And it's just a story that even though it's not one of my favorites, I've watched it so many times that I could tell it to you in my sleep. Sure. For the first mm-hmm. film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every scene, like all those marks, 
uh, the main lines. I mean, it's alive, mm -hmm. you know, like all of those things. It's iconic. Yeah. This movie is just iconic. Right. And I mean, it's often ranked as, I mean, one of the top 100 films mm -hmm. of all time. So it's, yeah, it's just there. It's just there. What are your, what are your favorite parts of the film? What stand out about the film to you? For me, uh, Dwight Fry. I was just going to say the part that wasn't in the book. Dwight, Dwight Fry, Fry. The addition of him as Fritz, mm -hmm. the la the hunchbacked assistant. Yeah, Dwight Fry is fantastic. Like, I, not just in this movie, but even if you get into the Bella Lugosi, Lugosi Dracula movie, like Dwight Fry yeah, was a great actor for that time. Uh, I really, I he was like you say, wasn't in the book. I love him in there. I love the lab sets in this movie. Uh, just. The electric, the electrical machines oh, that gorgeous. aren't, they're just arbitrary. They don't do anything, but the look it adds to that. With it, I don't know, man. I, I love, I love this one. This, this one is, will always be my favorite one. I think the others obviously have more depth. Other movies, uh, interpretations have, have been better cinematically. Uh, but for whatever reason, this one, it's just the look of the, of the monster in this movie, just that gaunt, that sucked in face. Yes. He looks like a reanimated corpse in yeah. this movie. Um, and you're dealing with pre-code so they could get away with a little bit more. I mean, like body being flung at the end, especially really stands yeah. out. Oh, that yeah. wouldn't have happened even in 35. With Things Pride. that, uh, like, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I want to, I don't want to blab about this on end. Oh, go ahead. You got, you guys, Go and blab about some stuff too. I don't want to be the only one talking. Uh, you'll about have it. to keep me in check. I can <laughs> talk just about this movie for hours. Uh, I I think uh, in regards to Bride in this, there that Bride is a superior film. I do not prefer it over mm -hmm. Frankenstein. I would put them just one A, one B. I think they're both excellent, and I think they explore different topics. Uh, tonally, they're different films, but they're not. Mm -hmm. um, but with the first one. Um, I mean, you have two of the greatest moments in horror history. The introduction, where he warns the crowd. We walk out on stage and let him know, like, it might even chill you. Which mm. they say, in part, was a genuine warning. But then on the other side, it was P.T. Barnum, too. It, right. It was, oh, yeah. it was a little showmanship. Of yeah. Um, and then, obviously, it's alive, which, I mean, ranks up there with, like, Psycho in the shower scene is the most famous scene in horror. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that... The first Frankenstein is a magnificent film. I think that, uh, you know, if if you ever have the interest to learn more about all the players, the director, uh, it's interesting to see all of uh, how, as a collective, they were tortured souls mm. in many ways that in in some ways relate to the character that we explore in it and Frankenstein, not to reach or go off too deep on it, but they're very interesting and at times sad stories. Uh, Colin Clive wouldn't live much longer after the first two. Yeah. Didn't he uh, drink himself to death basically? Yep. Yeah, yep, sure did. Uh, and he had come over from the stage with James whale. That was the reason he was in it because James whale landed the gig and he brought him with him. Cause I think it was, the movie was called journey's end that had brought him to the States and it did well enough. Uh, in all fairness, it's a snooze fest. I mean, it's just, hmm. it's a stage play put yeah. into a movie. Uh, but it landed this. And um, I think that the gothic feel to it, the sets, um, the depth of character, and kind of just being aware of, of the film that you're making at that point in 1931 that could easily be dismissed as schlock 
and he went the exact opposite. I mean, just these lavish sets. Um, even the guy playing the monster is doing amazing physical acting mm-hmm. and and really demonstrating um, that it's just it's hard to describe. It's just such a layered performance that can be applied to so many things in life of misunderstood people and how the public reacts to it and the mob mentality and how we don't accept different mm-hmm. um, and how Karloff manages to to encapsulate so much of that without uttering words. Well, right? and it's just incredible. through heavy makeup too. Yeah. Heavy prosthetics and makeup to, mm-hmm. to emote through that takes a lot of talent too. Certainly. Something that I thought, uh, when you put yourself in the time period of when it was made in 31, uh, there's a scene at the beginning where Dr. Frankenstein and Fritz are robbing the grave, which yeah, as if robbing up. a grave isn't creepy enough then they cut down the guy who had been hanged and like, that's creepy enough now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. But in 31, can you imagine what an audience thought of that? Oh yeah. And the nuances of, uh, of him up there climbing with the knife in his mouth, which can I just point out what doctor is shocked that his neck is broke. (laughs) (laughs) He was hung. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) That's how this works. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. That scene is so good. I mean, in those, I mean, all those exterior shots are so good. The silhouettes against Mm -hmm. the sky. I mean, it's all beautiful. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just when you look at this movie, Mm -hmm. exterior, interior, the lab, I mean, it just, everything looks fantastic. Um, you're, you're hitting on some of the themes, tortured soul, things like that, but like, we got to hit the real theme here man trying to play God. Yes. You know, and that's, that's one of the big warnings of this film. And and for a lot of mad scientist films, because let's be honest, these are mad scientist movies. Yeah. Oh yes. This is what these are. And it's, it's that classic story of the guy who goes too far. And as we talked about in the reanimator episode, the the reanimator series is almost a Frankenstein series, you know, and that's, that's what makes it awesome, you know? And, uh, yeah, so you've got Victor Frankenstein, who wants to create life. And, um, I mean, we're hitting on things that are still issues for people today. Reanimating yeah. corpses, bringing loved ones back from mm-hmm. the dead, making new life. I mean, these are all things that are still, you know, I don't know that there are, there are doctors trying to reanimate corpses, but I'm, you know, but it does play into to questions we have now. Morality of like cloning, yeah. Even today, it, it's still a question of how far do you, you let can you go with science and should you? And yeah, like in take yeah, that's a perfect point. And take into account um, designer babies, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they're saying they can go in and shut off chromosomes and hormones and and, and genetics to make them have blue eyes, to make sure they don't have Down syndrome, to uh, make sure they have blonde hair. Like, should we be doing this? right? You know right. what I mean? Like, and that's, that's a real thing. Or I even think of like the Hadron Collider, you know, they're trying to create an atom. I don't, I saw what happened when they made Frankenstein's monster son. I don't even think we should be making atoms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there, that's a real thing. And I think that's another, well, one. and you almost see Frankenstein's remorse immediately after he brings his creature to life. Oh yeah. And that's a big point of Mary Shelley's book. Yes. He's so obsessed with, can he do it that once he does it and sees it, it's like, 
Oh shit, I probably should. And does anybody know why uh the character was Henry Frankenstein in this movie? They switched it. Yeah, okay. And from the book. And in the book when it when the monster is birthed or however you want to phrase it, uh Dr. Frankenstein flees. Right. Yeah. There is, you know, it's completely different from from yeah. trying to coax it and and teach it and these other things. He immediately goes, "Oh shit." I found it hills. interesting that uh I, in my notes, I said that uh, Fritz is like Percy from the Green Mile. <laughs> He's such a dick to this monster. Oh, which, I know. And you would think for a guy who is hunched over to the point of needing a cane... And how he's been treated, and see that he wouldn't be such a peckerhead to this that creature. Furthers to back to what I like, what I was mentioning in humanity, is that we have a guy who has been shunned and picked on, who's found someone who is below him, and look how he yep. reacts. Yep. Instead of sympathizing and trying to to you know improve, uh, the you know kind of the plights that he has, he's you know torturing him, yeah, <laughs> taunting him. Um, and that's, I've always thought of it kind of as a dueling thing with uh-huh. both what you're talking about with playing God and, and, you know, kind of how, you know, and the same thing goes with like time travel movies. It corrects itself. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be doing this. Right. Um, but also just kind of how we as people aren't always the best to each other. And there's a lesson to be learned in that. It's like with the monster, we see that he's just, he's not the brightest right now. Mm-hmm. And, but if you just chill out. He's pretty calm and he's pretty nice. Yeah. And it's, and his reactions are a reflection of how you're treating him. But instead you're swinging a torch in his face. Exactly. <laughs> it is. And it is a lesson of how we treat the other, mm-hmm. the them, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, the us versus them. Right. Absolutely. When you said something too, that I wanted to touch on about his immediate remorse for what he had done, not immediate, but you know, his like, Oh my God, should, why, right. why did I do this? Or this, this isn't right. It takes me back to, uh, I think it's Jurassic Park where Jeff Goldblum says, you only thought about that. You could do it. You never stopped to think if you should. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's my terrible Jeff Goldblum, but you get the point. <laughs> I'll edit in some pauses. <laughs> You were only concerned with if you could do it, but you never stopped to consider if you should mm-hmm. do it. That's that's a life lesson, period. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, it's it's great, and that, I think that plays out well in the book. I think it plays out well in the film. Um, well, and they're able to make you no, number one. The first reveal of the creature is great, where he backs in the doorway mm-hmm. and then backs turns around. First. That's great. Uh, but they very quickly, even though this thing looks like it looks, they get you to sympathize with it mm-hmm. very early on when they show him the sunlight and he's got his holding his palms out. Yeah, he's pitiful. Just mm-hmm. even though he's gigantic and this <laughs> ghoulish creature, <laughs> even though he's this ghoulish creature, you they get sympathy for it very quickly. Mm-hmm. There was a point I wanted to make too when we were talking. You talk about how good it looks. Um, it does look great. And obviously it's an icon, you know, mm-hmm. like every, every cartoon of a Frankenstein figure is yeah. Boris Karloff. Yep. Um, but as I watched these and compared them to the Hammer films that I watched, like to me, the universal, he doesn't look, he looks inhuman. It's very stylized, right. very stylized. And you know, with the flat top head mm-hmm. and the gaunt look and like bolts in his neck, bolts in his neck. And, um, 
But it's it's also a good point that that's one thing that did stay true to the novel because we'll talk about that in a minute. The movie is not that true to the novel. No, no. Um, and but one thing that is true to the novel is that in the book Frankenstein makes the creature big so he has room to work and mm. putting it together and piecing it together. Um, so yeah, it does make sense that he's like seven feet tall or whatever in in the movie. Um, but what I like when we talk later when we talk about Hammer horror movies is that to me. That's what I picture when I think of a corpse being put together. Christopher Lee. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what a, a shitty, nasty corpse yeah. being put back together looks like. Not Boris Carlin. Right, right. That's, and that's, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't look awesome because he does. Right. I don't know why I've just upset you guys beyond belief right now. <laughs> out of here. You guys are just looking at me. Uh, the th- Another thing that struck me about this movie is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no musical score. And if there is, it's not, not all the, the way first through. One. Yeah, just uh, the beginning. And of course, there's the iconic scene of uh, that was originally edited out the, the, of the, girl the little the, girl the, at, yeah. at the lakeside, which as a kid, there had been some special on television that my dad had videotaped that showed the scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, statute of limitations is up. Uh, as a kid, we had a VCR. On the weekends, my dad would rent a VCR and a bunch of movies, oh, and yeah. we would copy four movies what? to an eight-hour VHS tape. Yeah, buddy. You can't say that. Put it on the EP <laughs> speed so you yeah. can get more on there. Oh, uh, yeah. And we had them, and dad... You can fit three per VHS. Dad went to, to the length to edit in that scene oh, in that's our copy awesome. of Frankenstein. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, like, that dude's a completist. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I was exposed to it pretty early on. But the question I have watching it now, because they've, of course, added that back in in almost every edition that you get now from Universal. Um, how does the man know that the girl was murdered? If he just finds his little girl floating in the water, what reason does he have to believe that she's been murdered? They don't explain that at all. Well, she had swim lessons. <laughs> not that remember that? Not that it's a huge <laughs> deal, but it's one of those things. It's like a hole in the plot. Yeah. How would this guy know she's been murdered? Well, if we want to talk about plot holes, <laughs> just, <joking. laughs> just saying. That's what hit me this time around. I was like, wait a minute. What would make him think she was murdered? Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to remember if there was anything like her neck was broken or marks on her or anything, but I don't think so. Nothing's coming to mind that I recall. I think that when uh, the creature walks into uh, Henry Frankenstein's bride's chambers, I think he looks really creepy in that oh, scene yeah. too. Oh yeah, really creepy. And then you get your first real look at the the angry mob with pitchforks and yeah. which again, very iconic, has been redone how many say, times? It would be in almost every Universal War yeah. film in some capacity. Right? Yeah. Right. Same thing when you said it's alive. I mean, how many TV shows and movies have used that line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For anything, whether it's just somebody jump starting a car. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. I think we should move along. Yeah, uh, we've sure got a lot enough. of ground to cover. Yes. Miles to go before we sleep, boys. Uh, that being said, let's slide right into Bride of Frankenstein. Did not mean that as an innuendo. Only Jesus. saying we should just jump into the next film. Um, because it picks up right where the original Frankenstein left off. Mm-hmm. Well, except for the cool intro. Right. Uh, but yeah, so we at the end of Frankenstein, you know, they burn the windmill. And we're pretty sure the monster has died. We're, yeah, that's exactly what we're led to believe. And this movie was made four years later, okay. 1935. Yeah, good year. Good year. 
Uh, <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Uh, so we've got that cool Mary Shelley intro mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, you know, they're sitting there and, oh, that's not how the story happened at all. Let me tell you the story, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then we find out that Frankenstein's monster didn't die in the windmill. There, Spoiler. I've, yeah. Oh, my Spoiler. bad. Yeah. For the next I was kind of surprised movies. at how much comedy is in this movie. And, and fantasy. I, what I was really surprised is when I looked it up to find the year, it's not even listed as a horror movie. Which I think it's that's like, a little silly. I think yeah. so too. It's listed as like a comedy, a fantasy yeah. type movie. There should still be some more uh, in there. It the, is reanimated. The monster's courses. mate gets the question mark this time in the opening credits. Uh-huh. Charles Lawton's wife. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Is that the guy who played uh, Quasimodo? In a, yeah. In the, and also played Dr. Moreau in yeah. Island of Lost yep. Souls? Okay. All right. Okay. Good to have you, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, we've got a different doctor conducting experiments in this victorious. film. Victorious. The pointiest nose ever put on a human being. He looks yeah. so much like a bird. He, uh, he had been in James Wales' The Old Dark House, which came out in between Frankenstein and He Brown. had a very sinister look. He, yeah. man, what a scene stealer. Yeah. Just a character actor that you don't forget. He was great in this. I love in a dark, dark house, the dark, dark room. <laughs> I love that the monster's hair is burnt off, mm-hmm. and that yeah, he has burns on his face and stuff. Like at least they, a lot of movies from that era, especially would well, and in later universe, yeah. hell would forever. not would not have always. would not have paid attention to yeah. that detail. Right. I really like the fact that his hair would, and not only that, throughout the movie. The hair starts to grow back. Mm-hmm. Like you start to see it come, growing back. Great, great detail. What about how the doctor has little tiny people that he made? Yeah. Which holds up really well. <laughs> it, yeah. As yeah. for a special effect made in 35, yeah. that doesn't Which, look bad. Whale was great with that because the Invisible Man yes. is still cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, and that's coming up on 100 years too, and it still looks yes, cool. Yes, yeah. you're right. So he cared. Let's talk about the blind violin player showing sympathy to the monster. Uh, Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, uh, and again, another iconic scene. Absolutely. Iconic. Uh, and again, you get that glimpse that if somebody would just give him a chance, this creature could, he just wants to be loved. Yeah. And he could love if he were given a chance to be nurtured Mm -hmm. and this guy proves it even teaches him to speak a little bit, which would be the only universal film where the monster speaks on his own. Right. He speaks again later in movies, but in a movie, but uh, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, But that was the first time he spoke on his own. This one, I felt it is much deeper as far as uh, the message goes. Um, I felt like they had even more risky language, especially for the time, regarding religion Mm. for a movie made in 1935, like where the other doctor is questioning religion and God. And this, I thought that was ballsy for 35. Oh, yeah. And the creature actually saves a life in this movie Mm -hmm. instead of accidentally killing somebody or taking a life. He actually, it really shows you. He does have merits. He's not just this 
mindless evil creature. He has his merits. I really like that about it. And Dwight Fry was so good they brought him back as another character in this movie. Stealing scenes again. Yep. Oh yeah. Brought him back as a grave robber. Yep. For sure. And this one again, beautiful sets. Just looks great. Yes. I think this one even looks better. Yeah. Uh not not necessarily anything about one movie being better than the other, but I think Bride just looks wonderful. Yeah. So cool. I wanted Henry Frankenstein's bed and chambers in this movie. Where he's got that giant bed with the canopy on it mm-hmm. and the fireplace in his room. He's like, man, that would be dope. Yeah, I would be trying to create shit. I'd be sitting <laughs> yeah, up there. I'd have y'all, y'all got a flat screen I can watch in here? I'd be up there drinking cognac. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the scene in the cabin is my favorite part of that movie. Yeah, um, me too. I, the movie's called Bride of Frankenstein, but it, it might as well just be called The Friend of Frankenstein. Yes, yeah. I agree yeah. 100%. Uh, because he, by having the blind man who doesn't judge based because he can't see him and he doesn't know the external factors of what the mob is telling him. He's isolated and thinking for himself. Um, the fact that he connects with him is kind to him. Uh, immediate progress begins. There's warmth there to me answers both of the bigger things in the first picture. You know what I mean? Is mm-hmm. is it okay to play God? Maybe not, but this isn't a done deal. There might be hope in this guy. Mm-hmm. Is the public overreacting and maybe needs to chill out and trying to hurt him? Right. Yes, because we have this guy where things are going very differently. If you just there, left alone without the effects of society. It's almost, you'll try not to get preachy here, but it's it's almost like in the first film we're talking about what is it like to play God? And in this film with the blind violin player, what is it like to live out the nature of God? What is it like to live out? What is it like to live Jesus? You know what I mean? Like to, mm-hmm. to live out love and compassion and yeah. mercy. Cause and he's grace. not worried about who knows what he's doing. Exactly. He's doing it. Exactly. And he's doing it out of the kindness of his heart in mercy and compassion for another being. And because he wants that for himself. Right. Please be my friend. Right. Exactly. Like I'm blind and lonely. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, deep and wonderful moment that whale included mm-hmm. in there that he didn't have to. Right. I mean, it, it could have just been fanfare, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he wanted to make a, a legit movie, which I think is why it's so celebrated. Right. I mean, the bride stuff's cool. It's memorable. The score Franz Waxman. It's great. <laughs> Everything about the film is exceptional for what it is. But that right there is, is the wonder of, of that movie to me. Absolutely. It's my favorite part. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you say the film is so celebrated. Can we talk about how it's got about a 75% false celebration rate in terms of everybody thinking it's a, it's this great love story between the the monster, which the bride appears for how long? Oh, two minutes, three minutes within the the last 10 minutes. Yeah. And she is not excited to see the monster. Uh, Not at (laughs) all. Yeah. The title got the studio to approve it. Got yeah. the butts in the seats, and then Whale told the story he wanted to. Yeah. Which yeah. is, to me, is him having fun with it, saying, oh, yeah, there's a few minutes left to the movie. Here's a bride. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just continuing and building off of, of the first layer. Right. He told in the first one, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Totally. And you see that you see the, the monster after his friend, uh, the place is destroyed where he lives, you know. He sets his house on fire. Yeah, and he's just like, he's down in that tomb. And it's like he's decided he's had enough of the living that that 
the living are never going to be good to him mm-hmm. and that he he would rather live among the dead in the yeah. crypts which is like just such a bummer moment for this thing you know what i mean like if you put yourself in this creature's position just such a bummer thing and then he you know thinks well maybe if i had another one like me i i could somehow make find a way in this world yep and then the poor bastard they make it for him and it's terrified of him as well yeah and you can see the heartbreak you know and that's when he decides no, nah, I'm done. Like yeah. I'm, I, it's I need to die. I need to die. It needs to die. And he even he even shows more compassion to his creator than his creator had ever shown to him by telling him, "No, you go away. You live." Mm-hmm. That's kind of poignant too. Oh yeah, that this this creature had more compassion for its creator than its yeah, creator. It's like had right before it. they slam the door, they go, "You were right." Yeah, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. Well, now that I'm thoroughly depressed, uh... <laughs> movies end so abruptly in this era. Oh yeah, like you would never see that now. It's like the end thing happens, and then it says the end, and it's like, oh, 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 oh okay, we're all done here. All right, we get the orchestra hitting. Dun dun. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh shit, we're done. Okay, oh, it's over. All right, there we go. There we go. Well, that being said, should we move off the bright? Oh yeah, let's go on. All right. Let's enter, all right? Because we're going to have to start freestyling here in a minute. But, all right, so I'm not going to count Abbott Costello versus Frankenstein. We're going to talk about it maybe briefly later because it, it's it's so good. It and is really that's, good. It's really where I cut it my is teeth really good. for Universal Horror. But, so discounting that one, let's talk about what I think is my favorite Universal Frankenstein movie, Son of Frankenstein. I respect that. Oh, good. I'm glad somebody does. No, I, I would not say it's my favorite. <laughs> no, I don't dislike it, but it's not my favorite. That's fair. It's not I, my favorite. I'm not saying you have to. I'm and that one was made another four years after Bride of Frankenstein. We we go to 1939 with this one. So there's been four-year intervals on these. All of the point. sequels that we love in Universal are because of this film. Like, yeah, you, they had, were, you had we said were, something the other day that their horror was, was done. I read a horror. great book just called Universal Horrors uh, by Weaver Bruna and the Brunus Brothers, I think. There's three authors, but they cover every single horror film made between oh, 31 and 46. Yes. And um, the the studio was in a bad place. Now, Ivan Costello would save it later, but this is what reinvigorated the horror cycle because we have the classics that we know. And there were a string of other films, but then we were getting into the height, you know, like we went through the depression and they just don't know because I mean, at this point, Hollywood's still relatively young and, and the history of, of successful movies. Mm-hmm. So is this just a fad? Well, they come back with this and it just tears it up. I mean, and they, they kind of pushed all chips in on this cause this is an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. I was and shocked. We shocked. Yeah. We get Karloff back to do this. Um, and it is a legit film and oh, yeah. criminally forgotten in comparison with the first two, because I think James whale is just a sexy figure to remember. Mm-hmm. This movie is just fantastic. Oh yeah. I love sun. Sun is by far the most, uh, I don't want to say turnaround because I, it's not that I disliked it as a kid, but I, this is the one I become most fascinated with in comparison to when I watched it back then. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love the sets. 
Uh, me too. I, I, the the length of it doesn't bother me um, because I know you get into films that are an hour and 40 minutes for a horror movie in the 30s. That can be a chore at times and taxing. But it's not with this. I think this flows with just a lot of really good performances and even from unexpected places. Even the little boy. The little boy is yeah. so Who still does conventions. Shut up. Yeah, I don't... I mean, maybe... I have to find him. I, I need to look him up. I'm going to feel bad if he's like not around anymore. But as of a couple don't, years... No, you already said he does them. As of a couple years ago, he was at Monster Bash in Pittsburgh. Wow. The year before. I went to the one the following year, and I looked up the one before. I was like, holy shit, it's a kid from Son of Frankenstein. I want to beat him, but he, he wasn't at that one. This movie is the one that made me realize that it is always storming in this village oh yeah oh man <laughs> this village gets the most yeah. rainfall of anywhere say, on the you know planet. what's cheap water and sound effects <laughs> when they roll in on the train and the whole village is there under the umbrellas he says it's good to be here i wish i could say the same yeah. what's <laughs> yeah. the one line like we're we're here to greet you not meet you or maybe it's the other way around yeah yeah yeah, they're not the warmest. Too. Oh, here we're here to meet you, not greet you. Yeah, that's yeah, what it yeah, is. yeah. Because the greeting would imply some sort of warmth. In the I room. was. I wonder why they decided to make the monster non-speaking again after having him speak and bride. It's a great question. A they great took question. him back to being mute again. I know that Karloff wanted him. Wanted him. I know Karloff fought uh, in bride that he didn't think the monster should speak. Yeah. Uh, you guys I, know Karloff would do scenes in one take. Is that right? Did you know that? He was also diligent about the eight-hour workday. Yeah. It didn't, he didn't give a flying shit what you <laughs> hadn't gotten for the day. It was tea time and heading home. And he's a big part of the reason with, with a lot of the union rules out there. Oh, cool. Stem back from the passion that, that Karloff led with because he was a working man. And you had him for the hours that were designated, and he was walking right out of there. One and thing he's a one-take guy. And so he would do everything in one take. He'd huh. say, no. I, I did it right, you know, so he uh-huh. did everything in one take and just quick, just a quick aside. He was Frank Sinatra's favorite actor. So Sinatra always did things in one take because huh. he wanted to be like Carlo. I, uh, one thing I was, I find disappointing in this movie is the lab set is shit compared to the previous two movies. It's so very lackluster compared to what you had in those first yeah. two Frankenstein movies. That's probably just out of necessity at this point. Oh, because they probably didn't have as much money to play with. Yeah. Uh, Nobody was going to see movies as much in the 30s. Yeah. You know what I mean? What we haven't brought up yet is the addition of another character. I I was going to let you mention him since you enjoyed him so much. Man, let's talk about Bela Lugosi in the role of his life. Oh, okay. I was thinking (laughs) of the wrong guy. There's so many great people. (laughs) Oh, oh, well, if you're talking about Basil Rathbone. No, I was thinking of another guy. That you mentioned in text. <laughs> now, maybe that was Benny talking about the, the detective. Inspector? Oh, the, yeah, the inspector. inspector. That was, was that me. You? Yeah. Yeah, he was great. Got it mixed up. I feel like you just don't even know me anymore. <laughs> I wish I could. But I, I, was refer- I was referring just All now right. to yeah. Bela Lugosi. I'll just yeah. be quiet. You go ahead. <laughs> Bela Lugosi as Igor. Which, to me, as a kid, I remember my mind being blown when I saw the first Frankenstein movie that the hunchback was Fritz and not Igor because to me, Igor has always been synonymous as the lab assistant of the Mm -hmm. mad doctor. And so as I walked, the first time I saw him as a kid, I was like, wait a minute, you know? And it's just funny that this performance 
informed that assistant to the doctor so much, even though there were two previous movies, that that's what the what is in the public lexicon of who the hunchbacked assistant is. Right. Oh yeah. But Lugosi was great in oh, this movie. So good. Yeah. Uh the way Todd, <laughs> you hang Igor already. You can't hang him again. <laughs> yeah. It was the, I think that this role was perfect for him. And I say that because his his English was kind of broken. Yep. Um, but he was a massive stage star um, all the way over here into the States and Broadway. And it didn't translate as well to the screen. Dracula was fine because he didn't speak that much. Yeah. Um, but he and Dwight Pride, for that matter, who were both very accomplished performers and pretty wildly successful. I mean... Bella Bella Lugosi played Jesus Christ. I mean, there's pictures yes. you can look of him wow. dressed, you know, up as him for the stage. I mean, he was a big time performer, and they were very, very sad careers. Mm. Say even more so for Fry. Fry was permanently typecast, and he didn't want it. He wanted to do other things. He, he was didn't a care genius about genius of an actor. Yeah, he didn't care about being the leading man. Yeah, he just wanted to play different things and and be versatile. And the same thing happened with Lugosi. Now, Lugosi's, both of their fates, for that matter, didn't pan out all that well, but Lugosi's was much longer. Um, and for for one moment, he got a role that required broken English. Mm-hmm. And so from there, the vehicle is there for him to drive of depth, mm-hmm. you know, in this character that he couldn't always put well onto the screen. And so the real treasure in this and ghost is that he gets to do that. And it didn't happen that often. We all love Bella Lugosi, myself included, mm-hmm. but we're also apologists in a, in a way. Yes. For it. I'll agree. Yes. Um, and there's we, a lot of yeah, bad shit. We still there. respect and love him, but we recognize who he was, his legacy and why he was the way he was. Um, headstrong at times and the rumor has it that he turned down frankenstein Mm. i don't know if that's true supposedly that's been substantiated and it was because he had just come off the success of dracula and he didn't want to take a non-speaking role where his face would be covered in makeup Mm. yeah and 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 he took murders in the rue borg Mm -hmm. which obviously hasn't held up as well as frankenstein right still an enjoyable movie doesn't have the impact anyways my point is He's wonderful in this. So um, it's just the perfect scenario for him to be great. I think it's his, his best performance in terms of actual acting. Vinny, can you reenact for us when he shows off his broken neck? This is great radio. <laughs> you just hit the table. <laughs> yeah, where he says, Igor, neck broke. And he does this awful, clearly not making contact with his neck. Dubbed in sound. It's like he's got a rock in there. From so ages bad. six to fourteen, <laughs> I recreated that about three thousand times. I would estimate, uh, even Abner, to friends who didn't understand. Abner, you had uh, said there was something about this uh, particular Doctor Frankenstein, which we're dealing with Wolf Frankenstein in this movie. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Son of Henry Frankenstein. Uh, what was it you said you liked about his motivation in this movie versus his father? He. It's like he gets there and he's pretty chill, but then he quickly becomes no chill because he wants to validate his father's work. Yes. And clear his name. Right. So for him, it's not about 
it's not about it's not even about his father's work as much as it's about validating mm-hmm. his father's work. Like it's not that he cares about creating life. He wants people to not hate his father. Right. And uh, you know, that's where we get into with Igor showing him that the monster's still alive, because mm-hmm. that's Igor's only friend. Mm-hmm. And but we slowly find out it's and that's what's also great about this story, and Professor, you may agree. What's also great about this story is that it's all it's a story about Wolf trying to validate his father's work, but it's also a story about how Igor's in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Igor is he's kind a of this master sick one. manipulator. Yes, and he's the one who's like trying to make bad stuff happen because yeah. he wants to get back at this town for what they've done to him and the way yeah. they've treated him. I mean, man, it's just the duality of the story is great. And yeah. then you've got his wife, who he does love, and his child, who's great. And his kids acting, hello, sir! <laughs> you know, like, just, just a larger-than-life little kid that comes yeah. on screen. But like, And so it's like, man, he's not, he wasn't a mad scientist when he got there. Yeah. You know? How are we on time? Oh, we hit 45 minutes. Woo, we better start trucking. We better so start. So if we, we want to go gloss, a little over on this. Yeah. I mean, it's Frankenstein. Say, all right. I'd say this could, this could be a 120, 130 episode. Sure. All right. Fine by me. Uh, I just didn't know if we should start hustling through Universal so we can move on to some of the other I stuff. I think some of the later Universal's yeah. worth hustling I think through. this is the last I think one of the, true substance. Well, and it's the last Karloff. I still, and I think still that, love him. And but I this think is that Karloff made the right choice by saying, yeah. I don't feel like the story can go anywhere else. I'm not returning it. Except for Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which he regretted, which is why Abbott and Costello meet the killer. Boris Karloff exists. Yeah. Cause he realized I screwed up. So at the end <laughs> of this movie, spoiler alert, uh, you need to talk about your inspector. Oh yeah. 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 The inspector in son of Frankenstein to me is just as responsible for the success of this movie as Bela Lugosi. That character, just his performance with the artificial arm, Mm -hmm. he played so well with that. Uh, The tragic story he tells of having his arm torn off as a child by this monster. He has a first-hand fear of this coming around again. Then you add in the child, Mm -hmm. and it, of course pulls at him even harder right. when this child is involved because of what happened to him. And this child has been so nice to him. Uh, he's just as much what makes this movie, in my estimation, as Bela Lugosi's Igor. Mm-hmm. Great oh, yeah. character. Oh, yeah. So, as you were wrapping it up. We're ahead. wrapping it up. Spoiler alert. Uh, Igor gets shot about six times <laughs> and is killed. And the monster is supposedly destroyed. By being dropped down into a sulfur pit. A boiling uh, sulfur pit. Listen, the monster was not just destroyed by being knocked into a sulfur pit. Basil Rathbone <laughs> swung in on a rope and <laughs> drop kicked the monster. <laughs> off a cliff. Which <laughs> he was also in uh, Robin Hood and Captain Blood. Yeah. He, he did have the experience. Oh man, when he did that. <laughs> it reminded me, what was that? The the I'm gonna screw this up. The, uh, just never mind. The, the movie we just watched, where the uh, the killers in the cinema, where they're doing the movie marathon, popcorn, popcorn. Yes, remind me of the end of popcorn. Does that kick? Anyway, with the with the mosquito. Oh yeah. Uh, but anyways, the yeah. Prop. Boy, that that scene kicked ass. Go ahead. No, just I, from there, I that's pretty much my closing. Yeah. 
remarks on this on this movie. I uh, just like to add real quick, Lionel Atwell, great as the inspector, mm-hmm. uh, a perennial to thirties horror films. The old the old woman. Never mind. Wrong movie. <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm no, thinking he, of Bride. I uh, I love Mystery of the Wax Museum, which he's in Doctor X. And then a ton of universal horror films. Nice. So Lionel Atwell had quite a story career. A stag film at a Christmas party with underage people ruined his career. Uh, there's a very intense and touching story where he begged in front of a judge with tears in his eyes to basically help him so he could work again. Because all he wanted to do was perform. He'd made the mistake of just having some underage people to party, I think. I don't yeah. think he was truly being a pervert. Right. Um, but got him in some hot water. Um, and just another example of these tortured wow. souls that interweave throughout the Frankenstein films. So, but he's great and he certainly is worth exploring in other old horror films. Last I'll say, uh, I loved Frankenstein's sick hipster sheep's wool vest, vest that he wore in this. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he wore, rode his fixed gear bike. Yep. The monster looked that. enormous in this movie. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. Love fleet foxes. Yeah. Oh, he was a huge fan and mute math. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right along. Um, is next uh, Ghost? Ghost of Frankenstein. Right. I haven't seen Ghost of Frankenstein. The weakest. It's or House of Frankenstein. Three years later, 1942. Uh, thing, one thing I will say to it, this movie gets straight to it. Yeah. There's no dicking around. It gets straight into the action. And our monster is? Our monster is played by Lon Chaney Jr. Thought we should point that out. Uh Possibly. He looks like Kiefer Sutherland is the monster. They don't bother to explain to you how Igor is alive after being shot six times at all. It's still Bela Lugosi. Lugosi. It's like Tupac. Uh, Conveniently, there's another son of of Henry Frankenstein. Played by uh, Sir Cedric Hardwick, I think. I can't remember his name right now. Anyway, it's continue. Uh, cha- yes. Chaney is my second least favorite to portray the monster. Uh, I feel like his face is too full. Uh, he doesn't have that corpse-like appearance in the least. I mean, even Karloff had gained weight. He, I like his size. I know we've talked about that. Yeah, he's he, imposing. He's large. I do like that. But for me, he's my least favorite still. Uh, just because we don't have the benefit of other monsters with him. Yeah. And yeah. so just by default yeah. for me. Um I think with this we can just skip skip straight to the end. I think the Grizz this, might find the ending. This this movie is where the Frankenstein franchise at Universal jumps the shark. Because by the end And they he, don't try and hide it after this. Yeah. Igor has his brain finally put in the monster's body. Oh, and they even dub over Bela Lugosi's voice coming out of Lon Chaney's monster's yep. mouth. It is pretty cool, though. I love the line. I have the strength of a hundred men because you've got this man who has been just maimed and and a frail dude who is now in Frankenstein. He's in his body, but he has his mind. Wow. So he's sharp as a tack, but massive. But it's very short-lived, his yeah. celebration, because... <laughs> <laughs> his eyes fail. Yeah. He goes blind nearly immediately. Oh, wow. Uh, and then, of course, like every Frankenstein movie ends in a fire and oh, an yeah. explosion. <laughs> so the end. This Honestly, this movie sucks. 
this movie sucks. Like it it's, is, a, it's just, it's so tired. Like it, they play by the, just a very generic formula. Like it's a very tired film. And for me, I'm done talking about it at this point. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, it's one of those things where I have a hard time saying it sucks just because of the charm for me. But I mean, at its core, if I'm truly grading it, it sucks. Yeah. Compared to the other films, the first three were just terribly superior to this. Yes. Um, I do, Love that ending with the brain transplant and almost getting to seek the revenge on the town. Right. You know what I mean? He's been trying to, to right. get back at these people for what they've done to him. And now he finally can because in, he's in this massive body. Right. Uh, but it falls short. I mean, it didn't fall Absolutely. short enough to continue on. It was still successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the quality of film is a major step down. Yes. Um, but I will say this. The good thing for that, I think, is that now we've taken a step down. Now we focus more on having fun for the remainder of the series. I agree. All stuffiness leaves. So it's like there has to be that one transition movie that's not quite fun and not quite well made. And so this one falls on the sword in terms of the franchise. With that, shall we move on to the next? Yes. These are One year later, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman with Bela Lugosi as the creature. Or as the writer called it, Frankenstein wolves the meat man because he claims it was just a paycheck. <laughs> I, uh, Lugosi is my least favorite creature. Uh, and a lot of that isn't his fault. The cuts. They as made. I did more, as I learned more as years went by. Lugosi is the first time you get that arms straight out mm-hmm. in front of you. Robotic locked knees monster. Uh, I guess originally the reason for that is. The monster had gone blind at the end of the movie in the one previous. He was supposed this to be is blind the in this movie. Shafting in Universal and they films. cut all of that out. You have no idea. That's why his performance was so robotic. Also, they let cast Lugosi as the monster because at the end of the last movie, Igor's brain was in the creature's body and was speaking with Igor's voice anyway. So they had just had Lugosi be the monster, but when they showed it to test audiences, they laughed their asses off at it. So they cut out all dialogue from the monster. So Lugosi's performance was hatcheted yeah. so bad. So now he's running into things, and you don't know why. And you don't understand why, because he's you don't know he's supposed to be blind. Uh, none of it. Yeah. Made. Yeah. It, luckily, it doesn't matter because the title. Yeah. Frankenstein meets a wolf, man. Yeah. But you're right, man. What a crime. Like, yeah. They just yeah. He got, him. he got absolutely screwed on that. Wolf's the meat man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dwight Fry is in this one again as a villager. It's good yep. to see Dwight Fry. Um, the monsters, the title creatures square up. In the last three minutes of the movie. Yeah. You go the entire movie. Yeah. You get three minutes of Wolfman versus Frankenstein. Yeah. You, you still get some, some it's a fun working together though. I mean, it's not like we don't get, you get Talbot working with the creature, but you'll get full blown Wolfman and the creature in the same room. I used to recreate him digging in the snow. I love that scene. I still do. This is my favorite universal horror movie. Yeah. Because I loved it as a kid. This movie is so much fun. I don't think it's the best. No, it's my favorite though, but it's so fun because you get the meeting of these two horror icons. You know, this was Freddie versus Jason for a generation, you know, 
Well, and it's absolutely a, right. It's important to re, to to point out too that you get a more vicious Wolfman than you ever see in the you're, Wolfman. You're right. He's very feral. Uh, he's lot, not just choking. Out he's people. not just choking out people with his top he, button. But he sneaks up on that uh, officer out yes. on the streets. That's more vicious than anything we ever see in the Wolfman. I, I agree. I absolutely um, agree. With so you. the movie certainly still has uh, some very fan friendly scenes and yes. even the ending's cool with the flooding in and the attack in there and everything. Yep. And Patrick Knowles is great as a straight man. And Iona Massey is the usual heroine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a fun movie at this point. We're making popcorn flicks, right? Which leads into house of Frankenstein. Yeah. An- one year later at this point, they're cranking yeah. out a movie. They call it every uh, year. I think they called it the monster parade. Yeah. Where they're just, they're like, Screw it! Throw them all in there together. Yeah, you now. had uh, you had a hunchback. You had uh, you had the Frankenstein monster. You had the Wolfman. You had uh, was it John Carradine as Dracula in this movie? Yes, although uh, very brief in this one. He yeah. has a much. This movie yeah. is far superior to House of Dracula, which is basically the same concept of throwing all the monsters out. I find this movie to be done. This is my first horror movie. Much ever. better. I saw this when I was four. Glenn Strange as the monster. Glenn Strange is my favorite monster under Boris Karloff. Played it as many great. times as him, too. I love Glenn Strange as the Frankenstein monster. Former uh, star stunt of the man. Western and stunts. Stunt man, yeah. Uh, really like House of Frankenstein. There's really nothing to go into depth-wise, although you do get Boris Karloff back. Yeah. But this time as as another character. Yeah, escaped convict. Yes. Uh, this movie's just fun. There's, I mean, there's really no merit as far as storytelling or any any anything iconic. But I feel like this this can be considered the close for the most part of the Frankenstein franchise from Universal. I know we spent a lot of time on it, but you have to with Universal. Yeah, I mean, you House of to. Dracula is, is just more the same with the yes. Monster Parade. Dr. Edelman is very entertaining. Um, that's the strong part of that film. There's more of an emphasis with Dracula in that, obviously, because it's House of Dracula. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the Monster Parade. And then the same right into Avant Costello, which oh, is man. officially the end of of the classic universal yeah. Frankenstein. Abbott Costello. So good. I mean, so just, we, we talked so about good. it. I mean, and we'll be talking about it again on another episode yeah, too, but we talked about it a lot in uh, horror comedy. Yeah. So just, just watch it. Just shut up and watch it. Yep. So shut, shut your damn mouth and do it. <laughs> All right. Closing out, closing universal. out universal. So I think we need to talk hammer and then just talk miscellaneous. Yes. Agree. Yes. And we can even, I don't have too much to say about hammer. I don't have a lot about hammer yeah. either. There's a lot of hammer. There are uh, hammer has seven films in their Frankenstein series ranging from 1957 with curse of Frankenstein. And the last one was made. And I want to say 1974, the monster, from which hell. was Frankenstein and the monster. And one from of hell. those was cut. I think it was never released. That's a hell of a long time. And he was right. Peter Cushing as Baron Frankenstein every time. Now, that being said, uh, recently at a con, I ran into a guy that I ran into a couple cons. I can't remember his name. He's a nice guy. Uh, and we were talking about this. And though there are seven, I'm told that there are only four worth watching. And I can the, I can agree with that. And those are the four that are all directed by who, Professor? Terrence Fisher. Terrence Fisher. You got it. Old Terry. Old Terry Fish. I think even that would be generous to the common viewer yeah to say that yeah so we're looking at our last universal movie in 44 we're hammer 13 re- years later revives in 57 so uh 
and still think it's still a relevant topic in 57. Sure. I mean, think about the sci-fi craze of the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you've got guys like our dads that would still be going nuts for this stuff. Oh, yeah. Which is why I saw it, because of my dad. Here's what's funny, though. My dad, though he loved the Universal Monsters, never cared for Hammer. Really? Never did. Hmm. Okay. So, well, there are some people who are, it, there are a lot of people who are like that. It's like Elvis and Beatles people. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they like one or they like the other. I, I like hammer films a lot. I think that Peter Cushing is by far a superior Dr. Frankenstein to any of the universal doctors. <laughs> he's no Basil Rath. <laughs> I didn't see him do any rope kicks. I think but. he's, I find him to be completely superior, but I think as a whole, I prefer the feel of the universal movies that, but like hammer, they're very good. Because Universal's very muddled with what time period their movies are taking place. It's like you got horse and buggies, but you've also Fedoras. got trains. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, whereas these are very period specific and with hammer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think a lot of the acting is, is, uh, better in a lot of ways. It was a different era too, a different style of acting. But to me, Peter Cushing, you don't get better than Peter Cushing as Baron Frankenstein. To me, here's the He's biggest good. difference. The Universal films serve the fans. The Hammer films serve the artists. They're very beautiful-looking films. Mm-hmm. They're, it's very solid acting. They're nowhere near as fun to watch. They're very boring at times and stuffy. Um, that's not to say I don't enjoy them, but... I mean, by midway through the Frankenstein cycle at Universal, they're doing everything they can just to put butts in the seats and have a good time. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because you have source material that then you start to spawn off all these sequels. And the difference is with Universal is they tried to make that fun, I think. Whereas Hammer, Hammer takes itself very serious. Very serious. Um, And that's okay. I mean, I'm not knocking that. But, I mean, I would be lying if I said that I have as much fun watching a single one of these hammer films as I do to any of the universal films. That's just me. Mm-hmm. I like, um, in particular, the curse of Frankenstein, the mm-hmm. first one. Um, and a couple of the sequels are pretty entertaining, but they're stuffy compared oh, yeah. to pretty much all other versions. We know of Frankenstein to me. Cushing's Baron Frankenstein is cold as ice and that's the thing he's a bastard and that's what's great i'm glad hammer focuses on the the doctor Doctor frankenstein and not the creature frankenstein like universal did it's a very good point i'm glad you mentioned that because some of the sequels it's almost exclusively about him. absolutely oh yeah every movie is him doing a different kind of experiment Mm -hmm. loosely based on his reanimation but He's taken it a different avenue with each one, but he's a cold-hearted motherfucker. Like yeah. he doesn't care who he, he is hurts a straight in the process. Criminal and killer. Yes, yep. yes, he's an absolute bastard. Which is interesting because when I was talking to this guy at Horror Hound, he said, uh, "He says, oh, he's like Frankenstein in these films. You know, it's very mad scientist, but he's almost an anti-hero because he's really trying to do good things." And I disagree. He's yeah. not. After watching two of them, I disagree as he's well. He's a dick. Yeah. He's a total, and he's, and he's he's just cold as ice. He yeah, doesn't I, give I a shit. I don't see the good in Mm-mm. Hammer's doctor. Well, I mean, <laughs> take a look at Curse of Frankenstein, which is their first their first Frankenstein movie. And, and, and you can't help but compare everything to Universal, but especially these. 
His creature, played by Christopher Lee, which you're right, great look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great makeup. Just a great look that looks nothing like the universal mm. creature at all. Yeah. But his creature is pretty short lived. Like it's mm-hmm. not even the focus of the movie that's, at and all. That's the thing with a lot of horror. Of yeah. A lot of hammer horror films like the curse of the werewolf. It's one of my favorite looking werewolves ever. And it's really cool for the last two minutes of the movie. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, otherwise it's melodrama mm-hmm. and set pieces uh, kind of stuffy. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is one, like once you've made your piece with the style of filmmaking, there's a lot of wonderful things in hammer. Mm-hmm. So um, Abner, you really were just, just now uh, exposed to the hammer. I want to hear you talk a little bit about about your feelings on because you watched two out of the seven. The two we could get our hands on. Yeah. They were so difficult to get our hands on hammer stuff. That's part of the reason of why this. we're not talking as in depth as we did, especially time constraints. Or this would be a two parter. <laughs> right. So watch Curse Frankenstein. In uh, a note to all you listeners out there, if you want to get it on VOD. Don't pay the extra dollar to get it in HD. It is not <laughs> Blu-ray quality. It's a waste of money. Um, I really like the story of uh, Frankenstein coming to be. Like how you know he got, he inherited all of his money and his uh, his professor that came to teach him, and then eventually they're split. Like I really thought that was a good story because they were they were questioning the laws of nature, and he was like, I don't know that we should do this. You know, and so it does. It does pose that Jeff Goldblum question from earlier. You were only thinking if you could do it, not if you should do it. And his professor was thinking that, and 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 basically Frankenstein's like, well, fuck off then. I'm going right. to do it myself. Right. You know? Um. So that was cool. Um. You also get some elements that I saw that uh, Bride of Reanimator robbed from this film because as he's putting his monster together, he's like, look, he has the hands of a sculptor. Mm-hmm. And remembers they put together the bride and reanimated. It's like shopping. Yeah, they're like, oh, let's get just the right parts for our creature. Um, then he uses ultimately his that his other professor's brain mm-hmm. in this, which is a, a funny kill scene. And he's like, yeah. oh, he like pushes into that balcony, <laughs> falls and kills him. Um, but like I said, I really like the way the monster looks in this movie. Yes, I really do because it oh, yeah. to me looks like a reanimated. Well, and corpse. the fact that the monster gets quote destroyed after he makes it like they, they kill it. Mm-hmm. The and then they, they come back to, they come back to find that Frankenstein has reanimated the reanimated corpse. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And that just shows how fucked up this Dr. Frankenstein. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it was good. It was good, but I know I upset you guys earlier when I still never watch it again. <laughs> but I don't really plan to. I mean, it was good. That's understandable, though. It's not the easiest watch. No, to no, me, it's like true. Curse of Werewolf. It's worth the price of admission for the, the monster reveal, if nothing else. Honestly, Hammer movies, I'd probably get crucified for saying this, but that's movies I can watch while I'm also dicking around on my phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I like watching them, but I'm probably going to be dicking around on my phone throughout Because they're not too. worried about entertaining us. Right. As right. much. You know what I mean? You're not missing visually a lot. Uh, so what was the other one that you watched? Other than it being beautiful. I was just going to say real quickly, for the end of Curse of Frankenstein, I like that he's getting sent to the guillotine, but we never see him die. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. You know? And then it's interesting that the other one that I watched was Frankenstein Created Woman. Mm-hmm. Which, that one was made in... 
1967. So that's 10 years after Curse of. There had I've been, not seen that one. There I had think. been two okay. movies in between there. So Frankenstein created. So do you guys want to go in chronological order before I get to this? You I should, mean, you can just you mention. No, I think we should just I, bounce I, through okay. what These we are want. Yeah. We got to get through it. Okay. So Frankenstein created woman. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, because it takes a different. It, it, this one is less about uh, can he bring back life. It's about how long does your soul stay in your body after you have died. Yeah. And what memories are held by your soul and transferring the soul yes. to another body. Yes. Which is just I mean taking it in a whole new direction. A whole different direction. And it's interesting too because he has taken gosh, how do we so so we open the movie with this this guillotine scene of uh Criminal. This criminal being beheaded, right, while his son watches and runs away in tears. Exactly, and then the son grows up to become Frankenstein's assistant. Yes, one of them. Yes, like a doctor's assistant and Frankenstein. And he assistant. is into this lodge owner innkeeper's daughter, who's deformed. Is it his daughter or just a chick that works for him? I thought it was his daughter. I felt like it was his daughter. I could be mistaken. I think she just works for him because I think she talked about how her dad was a criminal. Okay. And she's, yeah. She's She's deformed. She's got one side of her face and then these three rich dickheads come in, which rich dickheads been dickheads forever, apparently. Exactly. (laughs) This is not new. They come in and they're basically torturing this girl. Uh, making her bring drinks and because of her deformity she's spilling things and just making fun of her long story short later that night they break back into the bar that they've been thrown out of they kill the innkeeper and it's blamed on the boy that we saw who'd grown into a man son of the criminal and he goes to the guillotine for this crime that he didn't commit and is beheaded right but before that we see that Frankenstein is conducting his experiments where he's dying, freezing himself, freezing yes, himself for an hour at a time, like to death. Yeah. Good. A hobby dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's the next big thing. Right. Uh, and then coming back to life and seeing where his soul is, or it's still intact and things like that. So that plays into this man getting killed. And the transfer, gosh. Okay, so when he dies, the the the, the other the, doctor that Frankenstein is basically working behind, right? Because this guy's been in the community for years, and he can manipulate people with blackmail from what he knows about them medically, right? Gets this body of this beheaded boy, and they take his soul. Yes, and then as a result of him dying. The girl, the deformed girl, commits which, suicide. She commits suicide, which she jumps off of a four foot bridge into three foot of water <laughs> and drowns herself. And drowns herself. Well, I'm like, what is the weakest suicide I've ever seen? Uh, <laughs> um, and so, what they do is they take his soul and put it in her body. Yes. Reanimate her body with his soul in it. And, but also fix her. Yes. So, she's got beautiful, she's beautiful now. Right. Which she was not ugly to no, begin with. No, except for the giant side of her face that was covered by hair. Exactly. But, you know. What I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they put in this beautiful girl and she hunts down the rich dickheads, Trump's kids, and uh, <laughs> and is like doing this, like, 
<laughs> killing them off one by one. Yes. But like before she kills them, you can hear his voice coming out of her. It's weird. This movie is weird. <laughs> this movie is loco. Yeah, it's weird. And two, but like they're also experimenting to see how much she, the soul retains. Yes. So like they take her to look at the guillotine and like, just say the first word that comes to mind. And she starts screaming, daddy. Yeah. And yeah. they realize that, yeah, it is his soul trapped in her yes, body. That it has residuals. So, so it's her reanimated corpse with his soul. So it's yes. her body and brain, but with his soul round and round we go. It's nuts, but it's not a bad movie. No, it's it's absolutely not a bad movie. As weird as all of that sounds. As much as we kept saying how daffy it was. It's not, it's bad. not a bad movie. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. So uh, do we want to close out? Final thoughts on... Uh, uh, Professor, you said you yeah, watched a on what you ones. have. Uh, well, they're not really, worth really going through. I was going to... I just do want to mention The Evil of Frankenstein, which was the third film is a throwback to the Universal style. Okay. And I think that's worth at least mentioning. That was made in 64. Um, yeah, and just in case you wanted to have an opinion on what you thought maybe was the worst Frankenstein in terms of that, <laughs> there's a shop for you. Uh, look that oh, up, listeners, boy. if you're interested. Uh, but it is a fun movie because it, it does go back to the style of you know the mob after the, the creature that looks yes. like the one that we've known from those older films. I have watched... Four of the six I've jotted down. The seventh one, I don't know if it was ever released. I don't have it written down, though. Monster from Hell was the last one that was Okay, there's one summon. Yeah, I don't know what the seventh one was. I read about that, too, though. I know what you're talking about. I've seen um, Must Be Destroyed, Evil of, Revenge of, and Curse of. So I've seen over half of them. uh, I've seen them all. That's one of them I hadn't seen, was the one you guys just talked about. But... Yeah, I think if you know what you're getting into and you have some interest, they're definitely worth watching. They're, for sure. They're well-made oh, yeah. films. For sure. Well, and it, and it's Hammer was great, the great horror of that era. From yeah. the 50s to the 70s, yep. they were the universal of that time. Yeah. Like they, Those were the classic horror movies yep. being put out at that time. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're a fan of the genre, definitely, especially Curse of Frankenstein, get into it. Yeah. Give it a shot. So... All right, let's roundtable some other films that are Frankenstein movies or feature Frankenstein's monster. I feel like we have to talk about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein 1994 with Agreed. Robert De Niro. Totally. That's one we have to we have to cover. You get to see De Niro's ding dong. He hangs yep. dong. <laughs> Hanging dong. <laughs> uh, All right. Cool, move so, on. Let's get it. Let's get it. Uh, thing, I like this movie. Um Somewhat De Niro, I love the look of his creature. It looks like a hodgepodge of body parts sewn together. Mm-hmm. Even his movements are like legs aren't the same length, you know. Uh I like all of that, but still it misses somewhere. And I can't quite put I my have, finger I on have it. A theory on where it but it misses somewhere it misses. It it's good. But it could have been great, and I don't know where it misses. I found it simultaneously entertaining and forgettable. Well, But that's also a problem you run into with a story that has been done so many times. Yeah. Because well, especially with like a treasure island, it's like going to see uh, a new A Christmas Carol. 
Right. It's been done so many times that well, it's hard to get a fresh take on it. And especially when your favorite version of the story is nothing like the real story. Yes. Yes. I like because in Mary Shelley's book, it never says how this creature is brought to life. Right. So in this movie, they try to fill in the gaps with alchemy and pseudoscience, but there's nothing worse to me than the animated blue electricity. Mm-hmm. An electrical eel, electric eels is what jolts this corpse enough to read. I mean, that to me is like very eye rolly. Uh, but I love but De Niro. Still accurate to what Mary Shelley would have known scientifically yeah, at right. the time. But, the time I, yeah. but I love the creature, him in the pigsty, watching the family through the door or through the crack. Going like, out and harvesting food harvesting for him when they don't think they're going to have food yeah, for the night. Like, and then, of course, they're terrified of what he looks like, you know, and so he goes on his tirade of revenge. Uh, Professor, where do you feel like it misses? You said you have a theory. Where do you feel like it misses? Because I can't put my finger on it. Dr. Doctor Frankenstein. Miscast? Kenneth Branagh, who directed it, should have not played the lead. Ah. That is the problem, I think. I think if we had someone else playing... The Doctor, it would have been a much better film. I this, think that I mean, he was if, if too it, attached to it. If it was Mel Gibson, I'd have been in. <laughs> <laughs> Passion of the Frank. Yeah, I, I think, and that's that's not to say that his performance is necessarily bad. It's just kind of flat. Yeah, it's very And bad. I think that he, as a director, was trying to make sure that he wasn't scene-stealing. And I think that he kept things a little too understated for such a radical Doctor. Um, and something that has been such a big part of previous versions of this film was the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he could have been, I don't know if he could yeah, have been less you know interesting. What? You might not be off on that. Uh, because I think the, the, the vibe of the film, the sets, the monster, uh, the, the classic feel of really trying to explore classic literature is there. Um, it's a rich film. And the doctor's just boring. I his, love his the, girl, Helena Bonham Carter. Pretty thrilling to see her away from Tim Burton for yeah, a moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's some, there's just some great scenes in it, but I think he, his performance while not bad is what it, it limits the film. The scene where the creature is run out of the house because the parent, the family of the blind man show up mm-hmm. and see him and run him out. And he's sitting just, sobbing mm-hmm. just moaning rocking just you feel all it's such a powerful scene yeah. de niro if you ever hear this i'm putting you over hard right now the best scene to me in the movie emotionally is that moment right there yeah. you feel awful for him he yep. all he wants is to be accepted and he was there yeah and then was immediately rejected Mm-hmm. And, and the one guy's, why are you doing, why did you do this? Or why are you doing this? Like basically saying like progress, why did you just do that? Yeah, it was, it was that scene to me was fantastic. And then, uh, the scene that's very human is after spoiler, uh, Elizabeth dies mm-hmm. and Victor rushes back to his lab to revive her. Yeah. And, hatchets their friend who had died head off and sews her head on it and her, her savage it would have her had to have hairs been. burnt off and her, her eyes nearly gone like she looks wretched the mm-hmm. head looks too small for the body you and yet you he pronounced ratchet wrong 
But he loves her so much that he's kissing that deformed face. He's just yeah. so glad. Say my name. Say my name. He's so this glad. This is where she- playing God has become a problem. Yes. And then the creature shows up. Yeah, which I love says, that he's. Now she's mine. You, you finally made my mate for me. And he's like, no, not. It just that those. There are some fantastic moments in this movie. And that. I think, as a whole, it just misses. On, on paper, if you tell me that we're going to have the monster straight rip the heart out. Of her yes. on paper, I would have been like, "Oh, buddy, sensationalizing it for a '90s film," because in in the book, I'm not positive. I think she's just strangled, but time, but yeah. they up the ante for that, and it actually works. That yeah. is a terrifying and then she scene. Falls face first into the glass, yeah, and the catches oil on goes fire. Like, that is yeah. such a brutal sequence. Yes, him leaning down over her, telling her to be quiet, and I mean, yes. yeah. But I one thing I do want to point out before we finish up on this is the ending, which I think is very important, and I think one of the more poignant parts of the original Frankenstein story that we explore in the film, which is when he says, I'm done with man, and decides that he's going to find the farthest shore. Mm-hmm. Well, and he actually sets himself on fire. Yeah, but he's just, yeah. in, in the and, book, and I, I think he's looking to just get away. I thought it was interesting that he's hunted Victor to literally the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And then Victor dies, and they walk in, and the creature is sobbing over his body. And he, they ask him, why are you crying? You know, and he says, he was my father. Yeah. That after all of this revenge and hatred he has right. for him. Because he's more humane that than, when he dies, than humans. He's heartbroken because it was his father. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a much better viewing than I expected. It, watching it this time around, I liked it much better than I had, say, 10 years ago, the last Same time here. I watched it. Yeah. I felt that it was a much better film than I'd given it credit for in the past, but it's still, like I say, it misses somewhere, and you may be onto something with what you, what you say. Still, if you're interested in the, the, you know, the literature and mm-hmm. the movies in general, definitely worth a watch. Sure, sure. And definitely try and get your hands on the Sega Genesis game, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've shown it to both of you. Awful. It's so bad. Awful. Just awful. <laughs> All right. Uh, lightning through. Just some other honorable mentions. Uh, yeah, number just blips. Number <laughs> one. Frankenstein's monster in the movie Monster Squad. I, that's exact Tom, Tom, Noonan. Tom Noonan. That's exactly so what I was about good. to say. He is a fantastic monster. He is. He he's second only to the uh, Universal to me. <laughs> he's Lord. just similar enough. Yeah. But has his own thing. Lord I really like that. With him. Come on, guys! Don't be a chicken shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he Definitely. is a great creature. I watched half of I Frankenstein the other night, and Ugh. it's. God awful. Do not watch I, I Frankenstein. All of it. I do want to see Victor Frankenstein. Uh, I'm kind of afraid to. That's one with Daniel Radcliffe. Yes, yeah. as Igor, and it's told through Igor's perspective. I mm. haven't seen it yet. I didn't get a hold of it in time. Love to see it. Uh, if anybody wants to give their review, brief synopsis of whether or not we should or should not on yeah. the Facebook page, please do, because I'd rather not waste my time if it's shite. Real quick, I just want to say that I Frankenstein was about. Frankenstein's monster being discovered by this war between angels who disguise themselves as gargoyles and demons. And so they all want heaven and hell wants Frankenstein or they want Frankenstein's monster because he was the first person created not by God. And the demons want him because he was soulless and they feel like they can bring back their fall. It, this, it's, it, it is as awful and ridiculous as it sounds right It's like the last four seasons, Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was bad. 
Um, let's see. Uh, you guys love Young Frankenstein. I oh do, yeah, I do. Love and Young I think if you watch now that you've watched more of those sequels, you might you, too. You might like it more. I'm gonna have to get you to give me my Blu-ray. Oh yeah, you give me your Blu-ray. <laughs> you would like it now that you've watched Ghost. You will son. appreciate it so much more. Yeah. Yeah. Our son of, yeah. I mean. Yeah, with the inspector, especially. Oh, especially. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is where I recognized him from yes. now. That does make sense. Yep. Okay. Uh, there was a Frankenstein's monster in that shitty Van Helsing movie, wasn't there? Oh, I hate it. It's so bad. The steampunk yeah. Frankenstein's monster. Oh, just awful. Fuck that movie. <laughs> the only thing, only thing good out of that movie is the Mr. Hyde at the beginning, and I like the werewolf transformations. That's right. it. Well, here's what's funny. It's like it's not even, it's not good steampunk. You know what I mean? No. It's like true like Jules Verne, some of those classic right. stories where they took steampunk from. This is like butt punk. Yeah, this you know is I mean? awful. It's shit. <laughs> it's like doo doo punk. It's like they took. They were like, we're gonna take a great idea and just shit. Just on fuck it, it up. Um, doo doo brown. Doo doo brown. Um, I'm 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 dipping bottom here. Oh, I guess there's a new one. That I want to see where Tony Todd plays some modern telling. It's of a it. modern Ooh. telling. I think you, Bernard, you had me at Tony Todd. I think Bernard <laughs> Rose, who did Candyman, did it. I think so. And Tony Todd is like a blind blues player uh, under yes. a bridge. I've That's heard of this exactly. And Tony Todd told me about it when he interviewed me, and he's like, "You guys." Got he interviewed you. Wow. <laughs> well, you big time, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> When I interviewed Tony Todd, uh, <laughs> when we, me and Mad Chan, uh, because it was funny, like, you guys know the story, we've told it before, but, like, Mad Chan just had all these awesome questions for him, and so, like, so Tony Todd was telling us, he's like, you gotta check out this new Frankenstein movie, I'm this blind blues player, I'm like this, you know, the, the violin player in Bride, and uh, so, friend of the show, Rye Bones, his brother Neil, aka Diaz, uh, Awesome dude. Uh, he he said that the Frankenstein movie was awesome with Tony Todd in it. So I would just want to throw that out there. Let us know if it is good because uh, Neil said it was. So some other mentions, real quick. Yeah. Throw um, I was a teenage Frankenstein, falling right in line with I was a teenage werewolf. How to make a monster, and you know, kind of ones that appealed to teens back in the fifties. And I was a teenage werebear. Uh, we'll go ahead and throw that in there if you want. <laughs> um, it's awful, but I love Blackenstein. There you go. It's awful, but I love it. Uh, Frankenhooker, I just watched today. It's nowhere near as bad as you think it'll be. Oh, I want to see it. <laughs> it's, it's a good time. Um, it's basically Stuart Gordon meets Larry Cohen. It feels very nice. much like a reanimator or a from beyond, but with the sleaze of the New York scene you know down 42nd street and times square but without getting too gross with it cool um so basically in that it's not too gratuitous no i mean there's definitely some some ridiculous nudity right. um and at one point well i won't spoil anything we'll just leave it at that but the the whole premise of it is is that he loses his fiance to a lawnmower creation he's made that operates it robotically <laughs> runs her over so he goes down collects the parts off of hookers Builds right. him, but it keeps the head of his of his fiance and builds her back with uh, preferable parts from ladies okay. of the evening. But it's not as it's more tongue in cheek. It's not very hmm. sinister. Okay. And one other one I want to mention. I've never seen it, but I thought it was worth jotting down when I came across it. The Bride from 1985. Do you know who plays the Baron in that? Mm -mm. Sting. 
So, and it, and it looks like it, te- <laughs> no, but it looks like it takes itself pretty seriously. Uh, but, I believe you, th- you mean Gordon Sumner. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was uh, worth jotting down there. And I, have either of you seen Andy Warhol's Frankenstein? No, no. Me neither. <laughs> Maybe sometime. Probably not, though. Uh, what about the diary of Anne Frankenstein? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think of that. Hey, you're really hitting on Chillerama right the now. Chillerama coming through. I knew that one <laughs> viewing would come in handy. Um, what about Frank and Weenie? I like I've Frank never and Weenie. I like the short and I like the I've animated version. I've only seen the short. I haven't seen the animated. It's the best thing that Tim Burton has done in the past 10 years. The sh- Maybe the, even 15. The film? The animated? The, the animated. Yeah. It looks good. Carrie loves it. So I, I definitely want to watch Did he make it. one I've got of the on 80s? Blu-ray if you want to The short, it. yeah. Okay, so that's just a Evidently, short. that's what landed in the Batman gig, I hear. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, the fr- I remember watching the short in grade school. That's how I met Paul Rubens. Who, okay. And he made a Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> Shelley Duvall. Right. Shelley Duvall oh. was a friend of both, and she was in Frank and Weenie. Okay, yeah. cool. That's what got into Pee-wee's Pee-wee. Not this his first, it was his directorial debut. Yeah. Uh, anybody seen Frank and Fish? Negative. Mm-hmm. I've seen it on the shelf. Never planned on watching no, it. No. <laughs> All right. So, any final thoughts here before we wrap up? Uh, I was just going to mention because I thought since we covered it in such a grand scale, it was worth mentioning the first uh, Frankenstein on film was in 1910. Was that the Thomas Edison? Thomas Edison. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like 16 minutes, maybe. Down. It was a uh, 16 minute short. And the creature uh, had a flat-ish head in yeah, that, and they big, all often wonder crazy if that's not hair. where. Uh, the idea came from. Yeah. Oh, Thomas Edison? I heard Tesla made a Frankenstein <laughs> thing first. <laughs> Very good. Well, this this has been great. This has been just quite a little uh, dishing around round table here to, to find out. First three-hour episode, folks. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're in there. You know, it's, it's only midnight here. We were going to record a couple more episodes, but... Uh, yeah, enjoyed this. Uh, for, for something that I was not that excited to get into, just because, like I said, historically, I've not been a huge Frankenstein mm-hmm. fan. Glad I did. Uh, if not, just to say that Discovering Son of Frankenstein is, is huge yes, for me, mm-hmm. which makes me very happy. Loved it. Just loved it. So, uh, any final thoughts before we close out here? No, man. I think I've exhausted my Frankenstein emotions ta- uh, today. I think you've talked too damn much. <laughs> by, uh, by the Universal Legacy Blu-ray set. It's not very expensive. It's got all these films from Universal Frankenstein on there. I, I love it. So yeah. I've got a bootleg DVD. I'm going to get the real It's movie. by far the best franchise that Universal had totally. in terms of from I start totally to finish. I totally agree. Cool. Very cool. All right. Wrapping up for the Midwest Monsters. I am one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff. This is Bill and this Vinny boy. Tossing around some tags. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do a different one every time. Hashtag Bill and this Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag win and win some. Win some. Win some. All right. Hey, friends. Heading into the Halloween season here. want to remind you all to stay scary. It's alive. <laughs>